This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. I want to talk to you guys about Matchstick Golf. Matchstick is a custom designer of ball markers based right here in Portland, Oregon. It was born out of its founder getting sick and tired of trying to find cool ball markers that weren't huge, heavy poker chips that didn't cost $300 on eBay. Matchstick's markers include a one-eyed alligator from Happy Gilmore and a stack of cash that will have you putting for dough and birdies. Right now, we're offering you 15% off your first order at matchstickgolf.com with the promo code TURN15. That's T-U-R-N-15 at matchstickgolf.com. Set fire to the greens. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Welcome to the Golf Movie Fivesome, the B-Flight. Nick and I are taking on five more movies here in 2021. We don't want to talk about the FedEx Cup playoffs and the championship, so we're going to have some fun with movies as we hit the dog days of summer. And oh, baby, Nick, do we have one to kick it off. Where the hell did you get this list? (laughs) So we're going to do Who's Your Caddy? Caddyshack 2, Bobby Jones' Stroke of Genius, The Caddy, which is a 1953 movie with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Hope we can find that one. I haven't tried to find that one yet. And we're also going to do Tommy's Arner. Uh, um, Arner? Armor. 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 Honor? Whoa. Tommy's Honor. I'm okay. I'm actually completely sober, but that was a problem. So those are the five movies we're going to do. Yeah, Nick, it's... uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're starting off with who's your caddy? And Nick, did you have had you heard of this movie prior to me suggesting it as the first one we do? N- never heard of it. I vaguely remember this coming out in college and wanting to see it, but it was difficult to find it in a theater. It came and went very quickly. So let me just get right into it. 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is quite low. Even more impressive, a 2.2 out of 10 on IMDb. It was released in 2007. It stars Big Boy, who is half of Outcast, Jeffrey Jones, who, folks, has a very problematic uh, past. He's Principal Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and uh, Sherry Shepard, who you know from The View and 30 Rock. 
Nick, this movie had a budget of $7 million. Didn't quite make it back, just $5.7 million at the box office. Do you want to read some reviews? Um, yeah, please, please read some reviews because I think the most important thing for the listeners to understand about this movie, which really makes or breaks if anyone's going to watch it, their viewing experience, is that it's a bad movie. And, and that can make it so much more watchable if you go into it thinking and knowing that it's a bad movie versus if you think it's going to yeah. be a great movie and then you watch this, it's a complete 180. So, okay. yes, please, please tell the listeners what what the people think. Well, first of all, did you go into this movie thinking it was going to be a good movie? No, because <laughs> I, I did not. Because you told me we're, we're doing the, the next five up, which which the arsenal of good golf movies out there is not very deep. No. Uh, so, so for that reason, I was able to get some enjoyment out of it. So there is, and I'll get to the reviews in a second, but this brings up a point that I wanted to hit. You know, when you're scrolling on your television and a movie pops up and it has the little ratings on it, I think it usually grabs that from Rotten Tomatoes now and it says, this Mm -hmm. is like a 75% or whatever. There is a threshold at which I don't want to watch a movie. Probably like in that 40 to 20%, I don't really want to watch. But if a movie gets like a 6% score on Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus of this movie is so terrible, it reaches a point where I want to watch it again. And that's where Who's Your Caddy came in. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I I enjoyed it more than these folks. So here you go. Uh, There's probably more wit and pointed social commentary in the average four-minute Outcast song than the entirety of Who's Your Caddy. Yeah, of course that's true. Outcast is one of the greatest like rap duos ever. So yeah, you could say that Outcast compared to most movies. So I'm not really thrilled with that review. It's kind of reductive of what Outcast is. Uh, a depressing stereotype filled reworking of Caddyshack. C note is essentially a one note character. And that note is flat. Who's your caddy is the sort of film Homer Simpson might watch perhaps a triple bill with hail to the chimp and the school of hard knockers. (laughs) I got to stop you right here. Who are these like consumer reviews or are these critic reviews? So the first three that I read are from the New York times, the New York daily news and the Austin Chronicle. So I was going to say, cause if like your, your average Joe Schmo who's reviewing this is like putting that kind of thought into their own review. That's, that's just wild, but okay, well, that makes is, more sense. Yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is, for folks that don't know, it's essentially an aggregator of both critic and audience reviews, and I read the critical reviews right there. So okay. that not, makes way more sense. Yeah, not not big fans. Um, so I'm going to start right here, Nick. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I was going to. Now, I will, I will concede, this movie is a note-for-note ripoff of Caddyshack. Like they're they're doing black Caddyshack. I mean, can we can we just be honest? That's that's what they're doing in this movie. Okay. You don't want to you, you don't want to touch that? Well, I I was I was going to let it stand on its own and I, I wasn't going <laughs> to make that Caddyshack parallel. There were there were a couple times where that thought crossed my mind, but then there was enough it's got enough of its own personality that i wouldn't say note for note it was a black caddyshack okay i i think it was this, this, i mean okay. jeffrey jones is judge smales c note big boy is is rodney dangerfield 
You have Jesper Parnovic, who I want to talk a lot about, uh, shows up in this movie. He's sort of the de facto Dr. Beeper, who's like the stick that Jeffrey Jones brings in as the ringer. And then you have this weird caddy character who is allegedly this really, really good golfer who comes in and his big boy's partner, C-Note in the movie, when you have the climactic match uh, at the end. I, I, I saw this movie more as an examination of institutional racism in the Southern part of the United States. <laughs> Did you? You saw it just a critical examination of, of the state of systemic racism right now? Exactly. Well, that's fair. Uh, in 2006, I don't really know. <laughs> they were trying to dive into that too much. Did you like this movie, Nick? Yes, I know. Uh, it's tough. No, I mean, the, the problem with answering that question is you'd have to really understand, like, the alternatives for me, which are, like, The Bachelor, Hell's Kitchen, uh, Love Island, Below Deck. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did. I do like Below Deck. Be- because, um, you know there was something I could relate to going on in the movie, at least a little bit. Okay. Can we talk about this venue for this, for the, for this uh, Carolina Pines? Carolina Pines. I don't remember what year Jack Nicholas won the U S open at Carolina Pines, but apparently that happened fly in the face of history. Jack Nicholas has won the U S open. And that is really what Jeffrey Jones, who's the uh, de facto, I can't even remember his name at this point, but He's he's the evil man in this movie, and he's trying to get the U.S. Open back at Cummings. Carolina. What, what is his name? Come, Mr. Cummings. Mr. <laughs> See, this movie's a laugh a minute. I love it. And so, you know, the whole thing is that you're trying to figure out what is C-Note's motivation? Why does he want to get into this really stodgy club? And you eventually find out that his dad was a caddy. He was the caddy for Jack Nicholas when he won the U.S. Open. Am I remembering that right? Yes. Okay, so he was the caddy for Jack Nicholas when he won the U.S. Open. We later find out that C-Note's dad has the course record. Did you catch that it was a par 73, this golf course? No, no, so, that was, that was snuck past me. Par 73, and they said he shot a 59, which means C-Note's dad, now I've never seen him swing a golf club, shot 14 under on a U.S. Open venue. That is amazing. That is amazing. It, it is incredible. I didn't catch it was a par 73. No. Um, yes, that it was an incredible record that, that wasn't a record because there was no way it could have been official. It was a fraudulent scorecard, according to Mr. Cummings, who held the official course record at 60. <laughs> yeah, and that was a big deal in this movie. That was that was a big old deal. Um did you catch Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air just hanging out in the caddy house? Um, I guess I didn't make the connection. No, but. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, look, I didn't see him in a lot of stuff after Fresh Prince of Bel Air recently passed away. R.I.P. And he's he's in the caddy house, so that was that was a fun little thing that I noticed. Um, what did you, what did you think of the scene where they were in the bathroom <laughs> and they and they showed their butts? I thought first of all. I think I think Faze on Love was probably my favorite character in this movie. He he killed me. I that's the humongous guy, Nick. In case you're wondering, no, no, no I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally know that. But I just have a disagreement on. A, I thought it was pretty clear who the best character in the movie was. I thought it was blatantly obvious. Was it the weed guy? No, it's it's <laughs> Wilson. Wilson is the best character in the movie. 
Wilson is Mr. Cummings' son, hates his father because <laughs> oh. his father's a total D-bag. And he starts off from some nervous caddy who who's afraid of his father. And he he evolves into a very confident, um, rap-loving, chain-wearing, grill-rocking, ass-slapping. N-word-dropping. N-word-dropping Yeah, teenager. that was tough. That was that was a real wow. They 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 did this in movies in two thousand six. Um, yeah, well, there was a couple of things that I thought that about. And then, um, do you want to do you want to hit that because I want to have the Andy Melanakis conversation at some point. So the the one scene that like I I, that I had that because I thought wow they did this movies in, in two thousand six is when when they're at the club and uh, Wilson and the other the big large black man is the he's like. Hey, you, you want to smack that ass? And Wilson's like, I, yeah, I think I do. And he's like, whose ass is that? And he's like, that's that's her ass. Like, no, that's your ass. And then like just just encouraging him to essentially sexually harass a, a, a dancer at a bar, um, which contextually, you know, I, I guess feels I I don't know maybe okay. She was she seemed totally cool with it in the in the scene. I don't know. I, I was I was a little bit like. I don't know. You wouldn't really be encouraging a teenager to go up and just grope a woman like that in a bar. But then I realized at the very end, um, Harvey Weinstein produced this movie. Yeah, and I and and I just thought like, oh, okay, now like it wasn't just me being an old man like thinking that's you know I, I've come so far. Like it's probably just Weinstein putting his touch on the movie. No, I I definitely noticed why Weinstein was involved in the uh, in the project, but like. I mean, let's be honest, dude, like in 2006, it's not like this is the only movie that was doing that sort of thing or like casual N words being dropped like in the movie. Like, I'm not going to say it was common, but if that was to happen now, it'd be pretty shocking. But like back then, it's like, well, this is just this is just what we thought was OK. Um, what's your relationship to Andy Melanakis? Did you did you enjoy him back in the day when you were in college? Uh, you, you always are asking me the tough the tough questions. So Andy Milanakis is I, is I'm Wilson. Googling him right now. Well, it, yeah, oh. Andy Milanakis is Wilson. Andy Milanakis is essentially like the first YouTube, like one of the first YouTube sensations. Like he was big in like 2005, 2006, around this time, like at the advent of YouTube. And he was so popular early on for like his fake rap songs and things that he got an MTV show and was on the air for like three years. He was in that movie Waiting, that restaurant movie with Ryan oh, yeah. Reynolds that had kind of a cult following. So he was very big in like the mid aughts for like four years. And after this movie, I definitely went on like an Andy Milanakis uh, rabbit hole. Folks, I highly recommend like doing that, especially if you're around my or Nick's age or older, like in that early mid thirties, like pushing 40 kind of range. Like it was very fun to look back at like what was considered to be interesting internet content in 2005. Like it's very, very odd. It's very, very strange. Take a guess what your Andy Milanakis was born. Mm. I know the you, answer. You, to th- you know, you know, you know, the answer. I know the answer to this, but like Andy Milanakis is 40. He's 20 years too old. I know he's he's somehow he's forty five years old in uh, in twenty twenty one. But no, so in the movie he was he was over thirty playing a fifteen year old convincingly, convincingly hundred percent. That's in that's that's the takeaway here. It's a mind blower, isn't it? Um, I have to. Okay, so the best golfer in the movie is going to lead me into a conversation that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to have with you. I mean, the best golfer in the movie, it's, 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 it's five-time PGA tour winner, Jesper Barnovic, is it not? 
I don't know. I thought the caddy. <laughs> Put down the caddy. The caddy choked in the final scene. He, he had to hit that shot over the water and he plunked I know. it. I know. And he then his rangefinder from Precision Pro. <laughs> And, and that'll set us up for our best golf shot of the movie coming up in just a little bit. But that one, there's actually a debate about. I can't wait to hear it. But what do you think? And I asked Ash this question and she didn't respond. Your your wonderful <laughs> wife. Because um, it looked like she wanted to engage about this movie. But I think she just wanted to say, hey, man, this sucks. And it's too bad that you guys are doing a movie about this podcast. I, about I think this I think she was just like, man, we, we could be watching Below Deck right now. And instead I'm watching... <laughs> Who's your caddy? We could be catching up on season 11 of Below Deck. Yeah. So, Jesper Parnovic, what is the number that was written on the check from the production studio and handed to Jesper Parnovic to get him in this movie? Well, it wasn't $7 million. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So, we're operating within a budget of $7 million. Um, do you know the answer to this question? I don't, but I have a guess that I think is right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's assume that your guess is right. I mean, it's it's... It's, I think it's kind of low. I think it's like seventy-five to a hundred thousand. Oh wow, that's that's more than I thought. Is I thought he thought? got okay. my my guess was twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, I've never um, produced a movie or like paid <laughs> talent to perform in front of a camera for me, so I don't really know the going rate. Um, sure, but he really wasn't in it for that long. Yeah, it probably is low. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, Joe. Um, I didn't know if he was a, a a real live person or a fictitious character when they said they had a professional golfer teeing it up with him. <laughs> well, you didn't know if Jesper Parnovic was a real person? When did I start playing golf? It's true. But you do After know who Tiger Woods is. You, yes. you do know. I mean, yes, I think in the same conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. No. Elon Norgren was Jesper Parnovic's Swedish nanny. And that's how Tiger Woods met. Inla Nordgren was that was Jesper Parnovic's nanny. It all comes back so to Tiger. So would you Woods. would you say he's more famous for for having Elon as his nanny or for his performance in professional golf events? Today? I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's 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 way more famous for being the person who introduced Tiger Woods to his wife. Even though Jesper Parnovic has made 15 million dollars in the PGA Tour, he won 5 times. He was like in the top five of the British Open like six years in a row in the 90s. Like he was he was the best Swedish before Annika Sorenstam. He was the best golfer ever from Sweden. So take that to the bank. Okay, cool. Very legitimate. That's why it's good we have you on this podcast because the historical context is is, <laughs> is unbelievable. Is crucial. But you're right. I mean, Jesper Parnovic was there maybe an afternoon. Like mm -hmm. all of his scenes were clearly filmed at the same time. Um, The worst golfer in this movie is uh well it's Mr. Cummings, is it not? It's it's Mr. Cummings. He's a cheater. <laughs> he's he's definitely a cheater. Um I could have told you that from the jump. And uh did did you see him like make a good swing? By by the way, just a real quick tangent. Did I see anybody make a good swing? Not a lot of golf in this golf movie, eh? No. Not not much golf, and I think we we know exactly why. Um because there was not a lot of resources invested into selling the the actors slash characters as as skilled golfers or real people for that matter. Very true. Uh, I will say I, I feel like we're killing this movie. I'm glad it exists. It's like a sure. weird time capsule. Like why the hell not? Like 
I, shame on the golf channel for not putting this. They golf channel runs. No, 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 no. Wait, <laughs> no. wait, wait, wait. Golf channel puts. This is not the golf channel's fault. Well, <laughs> this movie would have succeeded if the golf channel just would have supported it a little bit. They just run so many boring movies. Like throw a who's your caddy on there. It's a weird time capsule. It's inappropriate. It's stereotype laden. It's who cares? Just, just, just put it on your channel. It's fun. Like. It, it was on a Sunday afternoon. I, I got home from a very boozy round of golf. And uh, this was, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Like if it was on at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, like I, I probably wouldn't have liked it, but I enjoyed this movie, Nick. I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm glad you did. It has, it, it's got redeeming qualities. I mean, it's like I said, I'm glad I watched it. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I got to experience it. It's, it's, it's somewhat of an experience, um, you know, so yeah, I'm not mad it exists. That You're not happy rude. it exists, though. Is Mr. Cummings uh, the worst golfer in this movie? I mean, that, that, that's what I. That's what I. Yeah. Um, that's what I believe. I mean, yeah, he's he's a cheater. He's he's. I mean, no, there's no. We could probably talk for an hour and a half breaking down the the, the worst actual golf swings shown in this movie. I mean, there's there's more like whiffs and shanks and, and like tops and, and then there are actually quality golf shots being shown. So like, we're not going to dive into that. Mr. Well, Cummings is a cheater. He's a terrible dude. He, he choked on the last hole um, among other people, but he still did. And um, he's, he's the worst golfer. The Even more though he did I, shoot a, a 60. Yeah. I mean, the, this is gonna. This is such a bummer. The more background I did on this movie into some of the actors in this movie, like take Jeffrey Jones and the terrible like child porn stuff in his past, but like the white guy in Big Boy's Entourage, that's Channing Tatum's brother. No, no? they're not related. Are you sure about that? I'm being. I'm being told Our that producer is chiming in. Are are the, the official announcer of At the Turn is screaming at me from the bathroom. So they're not related. Correct. But his name is Chase Tatum. Correct. Are you sure? Yes. She seems very sure. Lacey, what was your what what's your movie score while we have you? Remember, it's it's in relation to par and par is seventy two. Oh yeah. Well it's seventy three in this case, potentially. That's a 77 from Lacey that we have. Thank you so much, Lacey. We'll hear from you at the end of the podcast. Yeah, what did uh, I shoot at the back? <laughs> so that's a 77 from Lacey Evans, the official announcer of At the Turn. Well, I was going to say that the white guy in the entourage, uh, Chase Tatum, uh, it was Channing Tatum's brother, and he's dead. Apparently, it was not he's Channing dead. Tatum's brother, but he is dead. He did die in two, in shortly after the filming of this movie. So, yeah. um, not not a not a <laughs> not like a great stuff associated with this film. Um, now, Nick, the best shot in this movie, as as you mentioned, you know, it's basically, I think it's a beat for beat of Caddyshack. You know, an outsider trying to join a fancy club. He has sort of his own motivation. The theme throughout this movie is C-Note or Big Boy. He he wants to uh, restore his dad's legacy because his dad caddied for Jack Nicholas when he won when he won the U.S. Open at Carolina Pines. Low those many years ago. His photos hanging up. His dad's course record fifty nine. You know we need we need order to be restored. So we're at the final part of this match, right? And if if Big Boy loses, he has to leave the club. And if Jeffrey Jones loses, uh, Mr. Cummings, then uh, apparently he has to go to jail because he's in jail at the end of this movie. Uh, so the caddy, who is Big Boy's partner, 
has this important shot. He hits it in the water, and then Big Boy has 230, 230 yards over water, decides to go with a driver off the Into deck, the wind. Driver off the deck, into the wind. And not only did he clear the water, not only did he get it on the green, Nick, but it goes in the cup. And as the no, ball he is... he some backspin on that. It spun back. It spun back. Doesn't it always spin back when you hit driver off the deck and do a par five? <laughs> it usually does. But as the ball is flying in the air, there's more explanation about his father in that 15 seconds than there was throughout the course of the movie. Like they, they, they alluded to the fact that like his dad was with Jack Nicholas and, you know, because of all these, you know, institutional racism and I'm not trying to downplay that, but it's like they, they touch on it so lightly that like, is the audience supposed to care? You know, it's, it's very, very strange. And then as the ball is in the air for that 15 seconds, they cross cut and there's flashbacks and there's, you know, monologue from his dad and he's talking and they try to make it this big thing. And then the ball's in the cup and it's like, oh, well, it's the, the best shot anyone's ever hit. It's a pretty low key reaction from everybody. I thought like there wasn't as much reaction as I was hoping for, considering the magnitude of the shot that was just hit. And then it goes into the cup. So for me, that is the best shot in this movie, Nick. But you say there's another contender. Well, I think the category is most unbelievable golf shot, which which mm-hmm. is is the same but different. Let's just put that out there. Fair. Um, there's a scene in the caddy house, yeah, where the caddy has to hit a shot off the wall, off the pole, off the fire extinguisher, into the ball washer, hop, 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 off the vending machine, into the basket. Now let me just think- ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Here, here's how we can pose if it's, it's the, if it's the most unbelievable shot. Great. If you were given 100 balls from 230 yards out in the fairway to try to dunk one, or you were given 100 balls in the caddy room to try to execute this shot that I just recited, and, and if you did either one, it was for a million dollars. Which one are you taking? I would take the caddy house ten times out. Of Stop 10. it! No 10 way. Ten times out of ten. No way. Nick, what's the farthest? You've ever hold out in your life playing golf? I don't know, like one sixty. Have you really? Yeah, after I, after it hitting two out of bounds. <laughs> I'm number sixteen at U of I. Uh, so what'd you make a double? Well, one, two, three, four. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what a great story well, that is. Uh, cool no. Story. Look, I've been I've been playing golf for 20 years and I've hit thousands and thousands of golf shots. The farthest I've ever hold out is I think 90 yards, maybe. It's really hard to hold out, especially from 230, especially with the driver off the deck. I understand that that ball has to bounce and do so many things, but look at all these trick shots that we see on Instagram and TikTok these days. I think if you're able to set up the shot a certain way, you're able to get bounces in a repeatable fashion as opposed to trying to hit the lowest percentage possible in golf driver off the deck and make it i mean out of 100 swings with driver off the deck how many times are you actually going to make good contact 15 yeah but that there's clearly a funnel on that green that goes right to that <laughs> hole location so That's if you true. get it in the right spot i don't know i'm just saying i'm just saying i'm 100 percent taking it from the from the fairway onto the golf course, taking my chance with an actual golf swing on a golf shot. Wow. I almost want to set this up. I don't I don't know how we would do it. 
Can we get Andrew Lamy on the horn? Can we get both these shots set yeah. up at U of I for the quarter club think, open next year? I think year? Um, the most equivalent shot would be like a number seven at U of I. Mm-hmm. You just drop it from like 230 out and, um, you know, drive her off the deck over the water. I mean, for you, it's probably like a four iron. Oh, my God. That's so. <laughs> so you really think it's more like, I mean, I guess we have to move on, but I, I, I'm just am pretty incredulous that you think that from two thirty out, a driver off the deck, you could do it. You could do it ten thousand times. You wouldn't be able to get it in the hole. I mean, we're splitting hairs here. This other shot is also equally impossible. Off of a wall, which is which is fine. Sure. Off of a pole, a, a, a cylindrical pole. That's that's off probably of a the fire extinguisher. Part. Yeah, yeah. And then into a ball washer. Yeah. And then hop, 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 hop. Off the vending the off the vending machine into the basket is fine because the ball just hits it and dies. Also spits out a sprite in the process. Um, I'm not sure if that's part of the shot that you have to execute or not. But all yeah, I'm saying it, is, it spits out a diet Pepsi. It doesn't count. Here, here's what I'm saying: people hole out from two thirty every week. I won't say every day, but every week people hole out from two thirty. Uh huh. You can't. The same cannot be said about the other shot. Okay, that's fair. Um. Do we miss any of the categories? I feel like we 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 may may have missed a category. We just got to give it our we just got to give it our score. Okay, are you are you are you ready to assign this a score? I am. I really liked his house. I'm just going to throw that out there. Big boy's I house. Did, is I did awesome. leave the movie wanting to see more of the house. Like there needs yeah. to be some sort of house party, pool party, something going on there. We didn't we didn't see enough of the house. I completely agree. Phase on love was amazing. I wish also, he was in more stuff. Wh- one more, uh, For one those more of bone you, to pick before we get to the score. If I may, because we said Faison Love's name a lot. Faison Love, if you folks are very familiar with the movie Elf, which you're probably more familiar with than Who's Your Caddy, when Will Ferrell is working in the department store and the manager who's very uptight and argues with Buddy the Elf, that is who Faison Love is. He's a very, very funny comedian. He's in tons of movies from this era. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The last thing that just needs to be pointed out before we give it a score. Yeah. The man who hired the hitman ends up in jail but the hitman himself just walks off scot-free runs after free getting a bomb at a at a party with like 200 people there it just needs to, it just needs to be noted that's all that needs to be said also what needs to be said is the turnaround time for the usga to name a venue for a u.s open and for the u.s open to behold seems to be pretty quick pretty quick um, you know, I that I that actually I didn't make that connection at the time that they awarded the the tournament like I don't know a month before they played it. That's and also, I'm not I'm not saying that Mr. Cummings isn't an awful person who deserves to be in jail, but was he really the deciding factor for the USGA to hold the event or not hold the event at Carolina Pines? That was a little puzzling to me as well. Seems like Jack could have pulled some some weight over there. Yeah. <laughs> How great would it have been? I have to say, with all the Jack Nicholas talk, there was probably like two percent of me that thought, "Oh my God, is Jack is Jack Nicholas going to make a cameo in this movie? How incredible would that be if Jack just came out of nowhere in this movie?" But you know, based on his political pr- proclivities that we found out last year, probably not going to probably not going to be in a movie with one half of uh, Outcast, Atlanta's most famous rap duo. <laughs> Nick, right. okay, I'm going to give him a score. Yeah, Lacey gives it a 77. Now, for some context, if I may, beforehand, the lowest score that we gave movies, I went back and I listened. Mm. I'm fairly certain the lowest score was we gave 
I gave Happy Gilmore a 66, and I think that was my lowest score. I believe I gave Caddyshack a 67. Now, we'll get to Caddyshack 2. Perhaps that'll be lower than those scores. We have to wait to find out. Nick, what was the lowest score that you gave a movie? Was it 66 as well, or did you give something a 65? No, I think I was higher than you, to be honest. I think so, I too. Like, I bet you like 69 or, or maybe 71, like something, you know, a little bit under par, but but could have been better. Sure. So we just have to make sure that we're not going to break a course record here today before we actually give the scores. Oh, we're, we're going into uncharted territory with my score. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay. I gave I gave Who's Your Caddy a 102. <laughs> um, with some work, it could be respectable, but it's but it's never going to be an elite top tier. <laughs> oh, my God. 102? Yeah. With, with some work. It could be respectable, but but you know it, it's, it, the ceiling is 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 kind of low. So if you gave Tin Cup a seventy-one, you're saying this movie is thirty-one shots worse than Tin Cup. When you say it that way, it, it sounds even more like the perfect score. <laughs> it, is, it is thirty-one strokes worse than Tin Cup. Well, in, in like the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am, Tin Cup is Phil Mickelson, and this is Ray Romano. <laughs> Well, um, I'm one of those country singers that like, I guess, I guess I'm Luke Bryan because, you know, I have, I have a pretty good handicap. Uh, I gave it a 76, Nick. I didn't go as crazy with the score as you might expect. And it's not like I'm not prepared to give movies like incredibly high scores when I don't like them. And perhaps I was just in a really good mindset to watch a movie like this that was, you know, (laughs) problematic from all different types of angles from stereotypes to using language that's inappropriate to misogyny. I put all of that aside and I just enjoyed who's your caddy and gave it a 76. So I gave it a 76. Nice. Lacey gave it a 77. And what was your score again? One, 102. Why does Mr. Cummings attractive wife like him? Cause there's like a point where she's like undressing in front of him and he will give her the time of day, but I'm just like, why? Well, I don't. What does she see in him, Joe? I just don't get it. I I I thought that as well. Um, knockoff Denise Richards really did not have any reason to be with this man. I really don't want to go there, but we we kind of have to now. Like I thought, it was a pretty interesting artistic choice to have a man who, at the time, is a convicted sex offender being disinterested in an adult woman, like. That's a really interesting choice for the movie makers to make and to not have that. Like this stuff came out prior to this movie coming out. I'm just, I, I couldn't believe that that's what they decided to do. It's okay. Look, I, I know think, there's nowhere to that's go. My last, that's my last point on, on, on this. Um, I know. I, yeah. I know I keep bringing it up, but my God, they cast him in the movie. So it's their fault. It's, it's, it's not for mine. sure. Um, anyway, who's your caddy? I, I recommend it. Um, did you find this on streaming services, Nick? How did you locate this film? Yeah, I watched this for free, thank goodness, on Tubi, <laughs> which I had never used Tubi before, but um, at the expense of a few ads in the middle of the movie, which were welcome breaks, to be perfectly honest. You know, after after 20 minutes of that, sometimes you just need a Tide commercial. Yeah, um, get a drink, have a cigarette, really just yeah, decompress exactly. from what's going exactly. on. I, I, I wasn't a smoker until, until this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did find it for free on Tubi, which was an app on my Roku if, if you know, you've never used it before. Same. Um, 
I can't say that I recommend this movie, but I'll also say that if you want to watch it, go for it. Andy Melanakis yeah. is in it. It's a really good time capsule. Um, big boy, you know, I, I, I wish he would have made more music as opposed to making this movie. That's we, we, we could have used another, a better use of his time. Another outcast album would have been a better use of the time than this movie for sure. Um, but honestly, I blame Andre 3000 because he was the one that wanted to branch out and act. They've been tweeting out a lot of stuff recently, Nick, that maybe they're going to get back together and put out some new music. And perhaps we can just erase who's your caddy from our minds. But for now, who's your caddy? The 2000, <laughs> 2006 classic, uh, 2007, excuse me, uh, starring big boy, Jeffrey Jones and Sherry Shepard, two out of two out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, again, Nick gave it a 102. I gave it a 76. And uh, those are the first scores. Nick, I think we need to dive right in and do Caddyshack 2 next. Yeah, that, that's we, we need a palate cleanser. That sounds like a good one. For sure. Have you have have you ever seen that movie or seen any clips from it? Um, I can't say for certain. I, I'm like such the opposite of a movie buff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there's a chance I, I put it on one drunk night 15 years ago, um, you know. It's a chance. It's probably one of those I'll start watching it and I'll be like, oh yeah, this scene is familiar. And then like half hour later, like, you know, something else will be familiar, but I couldn't, I couldn't recite any of it right now. It's like a weird fever LSD trip, that movie. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm very, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you this much. Dan Aykroyd plays the Bill Murray character and not as well. Not as yeah, well. That makes sense. All right. Well, I think that's it for uh, the first and our golf movie fivesome. Uh, now look, folks, at the end of the day, this is a lot more fun than listening to me and Nick talk about the BMW Championship or some nonsense like that. We're going to be back. We're going to do four more before our Ryder Cup preview. <laughs> Who's your caddy? Check it out. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.